Okay, so this week, as I'm studying for this message, I got three or four going at once right now. And that's how I do it. I just download these revelations. I'm in prayer. And God gives me three messages in one day. So I start journaling and noting and finding some scripture references for those three. And then I'm talking to Nicole. I was like, well, what one should we do today? You know, one is God is good. Uh, the other one is um, whole healing, sozo. Uh, just talking about that. So I'll, I'll bank those, but we're going to go with this one, prosperity. Uh, generosity is key to prosperity. So as I'm developing this and, and praying on this, I see this tweet come through from Chris Balaton. And uh, it was a quote that says, money is a great servant and a terrible master. Money is a great servant and a terrible master. Many of us, we get consumed that money's evil, that money's bad. That we can't have money and, and pastors and preachers we've got to do a great healthy conversation this week at group i love provoking those provocative conversations that that kind of get intense sometimes and why is it that we get jealous of ministers or ministries that are financially prosperous that that do well that preachers that do well preachers that can wear the rolex you know and, and i'm going to talk about that here briefly because some of that that makes us sour right uh, but anyway, so he's doing this. Well, the scripture says it's, it's, not, it's not money that's the root of all kinds of evils. It's the love of money. And that's what we got into, that's what we concluded at our group on, uh, on Wednesday night was it's not, it's not what, how much we have or, or what we have or what material things we have. It's, it's the condition of our heart and what we do with it. Right? Yeah. You know, I've been in a service before where, where a pastor was actually asking the congregation not to give Christmas presents to their family and to give to this ministry. And then one week later, he buys a Corvette. And to me, you know, that, that was unsettling to me. It could have just been a timing issue, and it's a very prosperous pastor and does very well, and, and he should be rewarded for his success in the kingdom, right? Why is it that we put a cap on what kingdom success is, but a CEO of Bill Gates can have this and do this and buy this yacht? And, and I saw the yacht um, that Steve Jobs had built, and he finished it a year after he died. This yacht was impressive. And, you know, I never looked at that and said, man, that's an issue. That's a problem. But if a pastor would have had that same yacht, I probably would have been like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Right? And maybe it would have been. I don't know how many millions it cost. So maybe it would have been. Maybe it would have been outlandish. But at the same time, our mindset is that this CEO of this company, this president of this company, this manager, right, can succeed in the secular realm, let's call it. But yet a kingdom success can't have that same prosperity. And I'm going to get there today, too. So anyway, the key to prosperity is generosity. And I'm going to focus on Malachi 3. We're also going to uh, jump to um, somewhere in Luke 16 and then uh, maybe a little bit in Matthew. But anyway, I'm going to focus today a little bit on tithing and offering. But I want you to know that this is a blanket thing that our lifestyle of generosity. It's not just tithing. But I'd already preached a message a few months ago about time, treasure, and talent. Okay, talking about that we can't just give, it's not just about the money, it's about our time, it's about serving, it's about, it's about giving ourselves as living sacrifices. And that verse, it talks about all of ourselves. You know, so we're going to just settle some things and, and as far as what tithing is and different things. But how you steward, specifically finances, shapes history and changes both the natural and spiritual realms. And if we begin to learn to steward well, with our finances, more will be given unto us. Amen. This is scriptural. And I'm not going to go into a lot of these scriptures. I'm just going to reference them. But if we learn to steward, we will actually shape history. We will change generations. We will change and shape cultures. 
We will be transformers by where we're commissioning our money to go. And it's how we steward it. And many of us, we're on this, per, this Dave Ramsey perspective, and we teach Dave Ramsey here. I'm all for it. But sometimes we get so caught up in, in just planning for the future that we forget about the now. Amen. Now, let me, let me talk about that on the giving perspective. The Bible is very clear. Proverbs is, is great wisdom on planning for the future and, and different things. However, we can't get so caught up or we're so tight with our money now that we lose the perspective on generosity. Because there's this supernatural kingdom mathematics that I can't explain that I've challenged in Malachi 3. Everybody say kingdom mathematics. Kingdom. Say heaven's economy. economy. We're going to talk about it because I have taken this mathematics test from Malachi 3 that I can't explain, that I can't uh, show on paper. But I'm telling you what, there is a supernatural manifestation of my prosperity now from the generosity that I've lived the last eight years of my life. And that's short. Some of you have been doing this for ages. So this weekend we were in some discussions and we just thanked Josh and Angie Haas for having us over for dinner. We got into talking about some of this. And, and some of my notes today are actually from a message Bill Johnson preached just a few weeks ago and uh, on giving. He's in this great series. It's like four or six weeks on giving. Bill Johnson, it's on Bethel TV. Uh, Bethel Redding's uh, thing is called Bethel TV, Bethel.tv, I think, or something. I Bethel TV. You can Google that. You'll find it. Anyway, it's really great. Uh, but anyway, so how can we steward so well that we're stewarding, where our stewarding gains momentum and it goes to the next generation? And I'm not talking about a financial inheritance where if I steward well now and I save and I hold it all in now and I just live off of basics and I only tithe, what the bare minimum is, then I can pass on this inheritance to my kids. You will pass on way more inheritance to them if you pass on the inheritance of stewardship and generosity than you do a few thousand dollars in a bank account. Because the level of faith that you're developing through your stewardship, the level of trust that you're developing in God and your stewardship is going to far outweigh any amount of money that you can deposit in somebody's bank account as your generation comes up underneath you. And that's a fact. So, so there's, I've never talked to somebody, and, and everybody say, Aaron, it's okay to preach on tithes. We do it about once every three years. So if you're here today and you're new, you're like once in a three-year thing right now. I think the last time we actually preached on was a guest pastor like five years ago that came in, Lucas Pinkert, and preached on tithes. I was like, wow, this is awesome. Because it's a lot of times received better from the outside than the inside, right? So anyway, but what I'm talking about is more so stewardship, more so trust, more so faith. Because I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm not going to trust anybody with my money who doesn't trust God with his money. I would not invest in that company. I would not invest or sow seed in that person. If somebody that I know doesn't trust God in their finances, why would I trust them with my finances? I'm just going to be blunt about it, right? Because I know this, statistically, I've seen, I've never had somebody come to me with money problem that was a sold-out tither, offering giver, somebody who was generous. I've never counseled financial woes to somebody that was a tither. I'm just going to, I'm talking faithfully, not we tried a week and then this happened. I'm talking about somebody who actually trusted God in their finances, trusted God with their time, trusted God with their talents. These are not the people that we counsel and have to go through a budget planning process with. The first thing we do is we, we tithe God. We give God what's His. Listen, I heard somebody say that we tithe, you know, tithe is what's God's, offerings what's ours. 
We give God his tithe, but he allows us to give our offering, right? So let me work through the notes. They're a lot better than what I could come up with probably. So stewardship and how this is painted in a good picture of stewardship is David to Solomon. David set Solomon up. David set a principle of giving, a principle of honor, and he set up this principle of, of living, a lifestyle of generosity. And if you think about it, when we challenge kingdom mathematics, it all works. If you remember that when they were going to rebuild the tabernacle, there was so much brought in that they actually had to say, quit giving, it's way more than enough. And you're talking about a tabernacle with gold fixtures. You're talking about a tabernacle that used special sculptures. And they hired the best mason people of the time, the best sculptors of the time, the best gold workers of the time. And they, were, they did not spare any expense on this tabernacle. But yet the people were so generous, they said, stop, we have more than enough to do what God's told us to do. And that land was blessed. That people was blessed because generosity is the key to what? Prosperity. If we want the more, we have to be able to give to the least of these. Our stewardship will be based on how we value the least of these. Okay? So what we're doing now, and how many agree that, let's say, you know, when my wife and I first started off, we, we didn't make that much. We, we weren't doing well, and, and then we did really well, and then she decided to stay home with the kids, and uh, my wife has a master's degree as a domestic engineer. And I like how Nick says it, she's a stay-at-home supermodel. So, but, so our income gets cut in half. Three months later, I take a, a, a role change at work where I lose all, all my overtime, almost a $10,000 pay cut a year. I sell my business, which was another $15,000 a year. So in four months, we lost about $75,000 in income. And God multiplied. We still live in the same home. We did downgrade our cars. Okay. Sorry, Aaron, but <laughs> we downgraded our cars. We made some life changes. We made some adjustments. But we are living more prosperous now than we've ever lived. I'm serious. Now, we're watching what we're doing. We're budgeting every month. We're, we're doing things. But our stewardship based on our decisions. And, and, but what I was going to ask you is, how many know that it's easier to tithe on a $1,000 a month income than maybe a $10,000 a month income? Amen. Yeah. It's so much harder to write that $1,000 check to URWC than that $100 check. Right? You add that extra zero, you add a little bit, you're like, ooh, I feel this. But if you start where you are now, the promotions in your life becomes that much easier because you become acclimated to where you're living and within those means. And I'll tell you this, His grace is sufficient. I love sowing into good ground. How many of you agree with me? When I sow into the kingdom, that's good ground. Amen. Let me get back to this. So stewarding well brings increase. Small or large or whatever is given, it's going to bring increase. Okay? When we agree with the devil, we empower him. When we agree with heaven, they're opened. Okay, I want to repeat that because we're going to go to a scripture in Malachi 3 that talks about opening up the heavens versus, you know, the enemies devour. Everybody said the enemies devour. Say, open heavens. Open Generosity. Listen, I'm just going to challenge you today to start small. Start somewhere. If you're not giving anything, give something. Right? You don't have to, boom, change everything overnight. And, and I'm not saying this is a heaven or hell issue. I'm not saying, I'm not preaching this. I do not 
financially benefit based on what's brought into this church. There are churches set up that the pastor gets a percentage of the tithes. Many of them. Many pastors out there get a percentage based on the tithes that come in. We're not set up that way. It's fixed. My housing allowance is set. Done. So this message does not financially benefit me in any way, shape, or form. And I'm thankful for that. Because I'm not building up my own kingdom here. I'm not trying to build up a new car here. I'm not trying to build up my personal finances. I'm trying to build up people with destiny. Yes. I'm trying to build up revivalists that have kingdom assignment for the kingdom alignment. Okay? That's, that's what I'm doing. And when you're aligned and you're trusting God in your finances and you're generous, now you're going to be prosperous. And I want a pro church of prosperous people. Yes. And I'm not talking about just financial breakthrough. You'll get that. You will get that. We were talking, it was Josh and Angie, Nick and Tiana and myself yesterday after the mission was. We're just talking. And, and I'm telling you, Nick and Tiana are in a place where home mortgage only. I'm in a place, home mortgage only. Josh and Angie were sharing, is it okay if I share this? Next, by this time next year, they'll have their house even paid off. On one income. It, it's just amazing. Matt and Amy, they got to pay off their house last year. Or two years ago or something. And, and I'm saying the financial blessing will come. But what I'm talking about is a kingdom alignment for the kingdom assignment. You were born with destiny. You were born with purpose. You were born to be a conqueror, an overcomer. But if we can't trust God in our time, our treasure, and our talent, what can we trust Him with? We want the healing. We want the salvation. But God, the money's mine. <laughs> we want to see you in heaven, but the money thing? No, that's my heart. That's where I am. You can very quickly see where people's perspective is and where their heart, where their treasure is if you open up their checkbook and you open up their daily planner. Where's your time spent? Where's your money spent? And that, that's just, it's, it's quiet here, isn't it? I'm taking it. Okay, so, so when you sow out of honor, you silence famines. And I'm going to get there. I give because of who I am in God and who God is in me. And there's this thing called royal generosity. I know I'm an heir to the king, so my finances are unlimited. I know that the streets in heaven are made of gold. I know there's mansions, and I know there's no shortage or recession in heaven. So when I sow into the kingdom, I'm sowing into good ground, and I'm going to reap what I sow there. That, that's just what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking finances, though. I'm going to reap whatever or however I sow. I'm going to return. And the interest rates in heaven are a good investment. Yeah. Interest rates are really high right now. And the return of investment is really good. It's a solid economy. Trust me. It's good stuff there. So when I'm sowing into the kingdom, I'm sowing into heaven, I'm reaping the benefits of what? Heaven. If I sow into VW3s, or if I sow into this bar, or if I sow into this internet addiction, or if I sow into that, I'm going to reap the blessings or the curses from what I'm sowing into. I would much rather reap the blessings and sow into heaven. Are you with me? Okay. So we can shape the course of history based on the offering. Generations will be changed. The way you steward the reveals your understanding of God. See, find our money in the battle. We are generals, and our money are soldiers, and we are literally assigning them in the battle. And when we talk about these, these shoe boxes and we put our $7 for shipping in them, we are assigning this little box to battle. And what we spent and what we went to the Dollar Tree or wherever you go to put cool stuff in it, and the money, the $7 check you put in there for shipping, you're sending this into the heart of a child. 
You're sending this to Uganda. You're sending this. The church we give to in Mexico, three years prior to us adopting that church, actually was an Operation Christmas Child center. They received these. They, we saw the pictures. It was awesome. The whole neighborhood was transformed by these little boxes. And a guy dressed up in a clown suit and music and games. They make a whole party of it when they give these away. You are literally assigning your money and your resources into the kingdom. They're soldiers and they're going to battle. And, and if I had dollars on me, I've done this before. Money itself is neutral. It's neutral. And it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Right? Money itself is neutral, but it's the heart behind the money that commissions it to whatever its intended purpose is going to be. So if I take $100 and I go to a club that I shouldn't be at, I need $1 bills to get in there, I'm commissioning them into battle, and what I'm reaping there is not going to be that great, is it? It's the heart behind the money. This, but if I could take the same $100 and $1 bills, and I go to the laundromat next weekend, like we do on the Missions Blitz, and I buy people's laundry, pay for their laundry to get done for two hours. We do this stuff. That's part of our Mission Blitzes. It's going to be totally different reaping than what was reaped at the club, right? It, it, so the money itself is neutral, but it's the heart. So it's not the money that's evil. It's the love of money. It's what we do with it. We're commissioning our money, our dollars, to battle. Where are yours going? So some of our barren situations, see the goal with the wilderness, it was promised land. It was, not tr it was training of having nothing and depending on God. How many have been in a place in the past, maybe decades ago, maybe now, where you are completely dependent on God because it's just not making sense and you don't have the resources? How many have ever been there? Amen. Nicole and I have been there. When we first got married, and that's probably a lot of people's story, when you first got married, you know, beans and rice, mac and cheese on a good night, PB&J. You just don't have the money for anything else. And, and we're up in this little apartment, you know, just actually right across the street. We never knew that me addicted to pornography, wanting to kill myself, leaving my wife, just 200 meters from here was going to end in the destiny where I am today. So, so here we are there. We're, we're, we're in this famine. But the wilderness was not meant. It wasn't a punishment. It was protection. God was training them to rain. It was a training for raining. So then, so, so some of our barren situations just need water to manifest. Sometimes God gives us in seed form and he's looking for us to pursue breakthrough. See, there's an oak tree within an acorn. God, he, 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 he has this amazing plan and it was divine design. Everybody say divine design. Divine design. A few of us men in here, we're, we're reading a book and it's by a guy named Eric Smith on divine design and relationships and marriage. And see, God sowed in the first six days so he could reap for the rest of eternity. God has not worked. He has not created anything new. But in the first six days, he created everything that would need to be created to be fruitful and multiply itself for eternity. There's no other plan until he returns. But what was created, so see, he, he worked hard. He sowed for the first six days. Now he rests and reaps the benefits. Our sowing reaps. Whatever we sow, we reap in return. What we're stewarding now, we will reap later. Whether in the form of us personally or our kids or our kids' kids or our kids' kids' kids. We need to learn to steward well now because it is going to shape a history. It's going to shape generations. It's going to change and manifest in the way of reaping later. Everybody say reaping. Reaping. 
What are you paying for so that others later can play? I want to pay now so that we can play later. But I'm playing now for what I paid earlier. Are you with me? Okay, so kingdom mathematics is crazy. All right, I can't explain it. But in Luke 16, let's go there. And this is some of the stuff from Bill Johnson's message. I'm just going to give him credit. I stole a few notes. Is that okay? Yeah. Good stuff. I thought I'd benefit, changed it a little bit, and we'll just give you a little recap there. I, I like Bill Johnson. Some of you may or may not, and I don't care. Um, but I like a lot of people that some of you may or may not like, and I don't care. Right? I can, I can see the value in every person. Amen. I, but I see fruit there. I see fruit there. Um, I, I like some stuff Joel Osteen puts out. His, his book, Your Best Life Now, and, and some other stuff. Rick Warren, he comes down under a lot of attack. But man, Purpose Driven Life. Actually, Jay and Linda are in this church probably because of that book. That was a big part of their transformation in their life and the Purpose Driven Life. What a great book. So you, we, can, we can look and scrutinize every person, right? You look hard enough, you're going to find things in me you don't like. And you're not going to have to look that hard. I'm just being honest with you. But the thing is this, I see value in Bill. So, you know, we're, Matt, Dad, and I were in, in our spouses. Um, we're in this thing called Leadership Development Program by Global Legacy. And um, it's, a, it's a one year, it's a two year thing. We're in year two. Uh, we skipped year one, kind of did that in an abbreviated version and did year two. And uh, in that, we have access to these notes, these messages, and these things. And, and Matt and I were in training this week, and it was so boring. Oh my gosh. Have anybody ever had to read legal documents? The legal jargon in a document is crazy. There's this one called NFPA 921. Okay, that's just bugging me. So this legal document called NFPA 921 is how to investigate explosions and fire. So we're in a three-day class, and then I'm tested at the end on this legal document that's a standard that thick. It's a textbook. And I'm like, this is crazy. So Matt and I are bored, and he's like, hey, look at this note. Look, this Bill Johnson just preaches. I show him my notes on prosperity and generosity and giving and tithing and it like matched. So I was like, okay, this is awesome. But he had some good points, so I'm gonna I've given him credit. So now everything I say from here is me, okay? Okay. Anyway, Luke 16, Jesus makes a statement, if we don't know how to handle unrighteous mammon, which is money, who will entrust true riches to us? So he's saying that the way that we steward this, the unseen, right? The in, the internal the heavenlies is how, based on what we're going to receive in the external, the earthly even, right? So, so that's, that's a good thing. So what I do with the physical resources is connected to how I have access to the true spiritual riches. So how I steward what I have now is actually going to depend on what all God allows me to steward. I just believe that. You reap what you sow. When you do good with little, much is given. I believe in these scriptures. I believe that the word of God is the absolute truth. I believe that. I know people who are Christians who don't believe that. It's the craziest thing. Whoa. Who wrote it then? Ah, oh, we don't worry about that. It's the infallible word of God. It's the absolute truth. So I believe in those things. So how we steward the natural is determined on how God's going to give us the spiritual. So we go to Malachi 3, and I'm going to read 8 through 12, New King James Version. Nicole's like, you have to shave that beard. All you do is itch it. I don't know how you beard growers do it because it is so itchy. It is so annoying. John, your chops are just, I'm, I'm actually a little envious of those. Those are awesome. Okay. Will a man rob God? 
You know, I was, I was challenging Nicole today, and I'm not going to give you an answer because I don't really have one. But I said, is, is tithing heaven or hell? She's like, what do you mean, Aaron? I said, well, God says that if you don't do it, you're robbing God. And a Ten Commandment is thou shalt not steal. So if you're robbing God, you're stealing. So it was just one of these like controversial conversations. Is it heaven or hell? You make that decision. That's between you and God. Amen. All right? That's, that's between you and God. I'm not judging you. I don't care who ties and who doesn't. All right? It's to me, I, I don't see it as a heaven or hell thing. Um, but it's a condition of the heart. And I know that the prosperity is dependent on the generosity. Amen. So, so anyway, it says, will a man rob God? This is getting really deep. So if you're a visitor here, we don't go here very much. All right? <laughs> I kind of, I don't apologize, but yeah, we don't go here very much. So anyway, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation, bring all the tithes into the storehouses. How, what are storehouses? The church. The local church, the temple, the tabernacle. Listen, you don't eat at one restaurant and go pay at another restaurant. You don't just give it wherever you want. And it talks about at the end of this, if we're building up the temple, the tabernacle. Okay? So anyway, it says that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Everybody say, try God. Try God. It's interesting that the only area where it says to test him is tithes and offering. Why? Because I think that it is physically measurable. So he's literally using something that can be measured. Most other things where we would want to test God can't be measured. Well, he didn't answer this prayer. Well, did you wait long enough? Or was it just not answered in the way you wanted it to be answered? That's hard to measure. But in tithing and offerings, he says, test me in this, and then I'll show you. Now watch. He says, test me in this, and says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessings, say, open heavens. Amen. That there will be not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Say rebuke the devourer. This is a benefit of a tither offeringer. You can rebuke the devourer. Who's the devourer? Enemy. Satan. Devil. The enemy. Okay? So rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. Says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed. For you will be delightful land. Says the Lord of hosts. Test me in this. Try me. Test me in this and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing, such a blessing, that there will no longer be any need. Okay, we're going on. So it says that you have robbed God because you have withheld tithes and offerings. And then he says to test me. Okay, so it's forbidden in every, every part, but he is linking money and what I do with that in tithes and offerings to the actual opening heaven with an outpouring of blessing that's literal. That is literal. He is testing because now it's measurable. And I'm telling you, how many in your lives have tested God in tithes and offerings and seen the abundance of heaven opening up? Amen. Come on. Amen. Yes, it is crazy. I can't explain it. Even times where we didn't have it, we gave it. And all of a sudden, things are showing up. Changes are happening. Checks in the mail. I'm talking crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay? So anyway, so 3 John 1, 2. Let's just go to this. Beloved, I pray that you would prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Say prosper. prosper. Your soul prospering is the unseen realm. 
So it's what's happening in the internal world. You're experiencing the true riches of God here and now. Okay? So it has an effect on our external world. Not only do my tithes and offerings affect the unseen world, but as I steward this, it has an effect on my now, my natural, my physical world. My on earth as it is in heaven world. My abundant life world here and now. So now what I'm doing in the unseen world and what I'm doing with the unseen is, is, is parallel to now what's happening in the seen and vice versa. What I'm doing with the scene realm, how I'm stewarding the scene is now changing the atmosphere around me. And I am a heaven-bearing witness miracle machine. Amen. The Bible says those who seek his face, he will withhold nothing. He will withhold nothing for those who seek him. So then we get to the verse of Matthew 6, 33, and it says, seek first the kingdom of God, the unseen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then what's it say? All these things will be added unto me. The scene. So we got to this conversation on Wednesday night. And I'm, I'm almost wrapping up here. We got to this conversation on Wednesday night. Why do we have an issue with ministers succeeding financially? And we got to the conclusion, it's a matter of the heart. But see, many of us, we love this verse and we embrace it. Because we love what people will do in the unseen. We, we love seeing a prosperous church. We love using the toilet paper in the john. Right? We love drinking the free coffee. We love washing our hands with warm water and soap and using a paper towel to dry it. Correct? But it's a little more challenging when you're asked to actually help pay for it. We have an air-conditioned and heated facility, which sometimes runs over $1,000 a month in utilities. It just got real in here. Each one of those seats you're sitting in was about 40 bucks. <laughs> we bought used carpet to save you money, but it was another 3000 Come on, right? And most of it we did ourselves. So we love coming into this church. We love sitting in our comfortable seats with our little pockets in front of us. But that little envelope in there, it gets a little more challenging. Then we break out our checkbook. And we're like, well, I doubt we do this. I only use four squares of toilet paper instead of six. I'll just deduct that. Right? That's actually an issue in my house. I think we go through two rolls of toilet paper a day. It's the craziest thing. I'm like, girls. And I even I went to I went to Walmart the other day to buy toilet paper. And I bought the cheapest crap I could buy. Because I know this. They're gonna use this much. No matter what quality I get. So I'm looking for the single ply. They're gonna triple it anyway, right? So, and I read consumer reports, and I saw where white cloud was actually rated the highest. So I went for the white cloud, single ply. I'm like, girls, you don't need that much. Anyway, back on track here. We love it when people seek the kingdom, but we're not always happy when all of these things are added to them. Isn't that true? We love it when they give in secret, but we're not happy when we see the public reward. Come on. 
So it's a matter of the heart. So the Old Testament versus New Testament. And we always say, well, that's Old Testament law. That's Old Testament stuff. Tithing's only Old Testament. I love how people manipulate Scripture and present studies that please their fleshly desires. I'm just being real. I might be offending you, but I'm being real. And I have a Scripture, I have the studies to back it up. So, so here, you know, because I always challenge people, okay, if you feel that, then let's go New Testament version, because in Acts, they sold it all and gave all of it to the church. So would you rather the New Testament version or the Old Testament version? <laughs> Old Testament, you get to keep 90. New Testament, Acts, you're going to sell it all. We got seven acres for commune here. Okay? <laughs> Just kidding. It might interfere with my deer hunting next door. <laughs> all right. Back on track here. So anyway, um, Malachi 3, 8, 8 through 12. So many have made the mistake of believing that it's just Old Testament. And I, I want to go here for just a minute. And then we get into this silly debate about net versus gross. I'm, I'm going to be really real with you that it doesn't matter. I don't care if you do net versus gross and tithe on your income tax rate. I don't care. Do something. I don't care if you don't tithe. That's your prerogative. But I'll be counseling you and, and Nick and Tina will be meeting with you on a budget plan and trying to figure things out and why it's not working. Yeah. And why this came up and why this bill came up and why this car broke down. And, and I'm not saying God does not punish. First off, let's, let's go there. God is good. He does not punish. It's not from God. It's the who's devour? The enemy's devour. But you lose this protection. You lose this sense of covering when you're not within this realm. And you lose the open heavens. So bad things still happen to me. My car still break down. My heater went out last year. But guess what? God provides the provisions of an open heavens to provide for it. Plain and simple. I took my car in this week and I was like, it was making some nasty sounds. I was like, this is not good. I'm like, all right, we'll take it in. I take it to who I always take it to and they're really good to me. And I call him and he's like, your car's done. I was like, cool. What do, what, what do I owe you? 30 bucks. Now, I was getting oil change, too, and they charged me 30 for an oil change. I was like, well, you know, what about the steering squealing and the belt and the grinding on the brakes? Oh, we made some adjustments. We added more power steering fluid. Your brakes were never adjusted in the rear, so we cleaned them out, adjusted them. I was like, well, what do I owe you for that? Nothing. You're good to us. You're good. Now, that's God. Here, I'm thinking, man, we might be out several hundred dollars. We, our emergency savings is down to, like, the minimum emergency amount. We just had this baby, our health insurance plan changed, right? I'm like, God, I tithe, I offering, I'm generous. I should be prosperous right now, right? But it's these little things that add up, and then all of a sudden, we never go without. We never go without. I'm not back on beans and rice. I'm not. All right? It's, it's a good life. So anyway, uh, let me finish. Uh, musicians, you can come on up. So New Testament versus Old Testament. Net versus gross. Okay, I, I don't get into those details. I don't care about them. You do what's on your heart. Go from there. Test God on the level you want to test Him, and see what the blessings you get. See, see what, see what generosity gets you. All right. But I love what Josh and Angie's perspective was in our conversation. I love their perspective on net versus gross. And my wife and I transitioned to gross a few years ago. Um, you know, I, I want, I want all to be blessed. And that's what they said. Josh told Angie when they were making this decision to go from net to gross, or when they, when, they, when they got married, Josh gave Angie three principles they were going to live on, right? We would tithe, we would not take out any loan except for a house, and what was the third one? And we will always live by a budget, those three principles. And now they're, they're just around close to like 29 years old. 
Just kidding. Maybe close to 40. All right? And they're going to have their house paid off next year. Let's celebrate that. I know that's rare. I know that's rare in our culture. I know that's rare for a 60-year-old to have their house paid off. I know that. Matt and Amy, they just turned like 30. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm 34 and they're like seven years older than me, let's say. Okay? So anyway, their house was paid off. I'm telling you, this is kingdom mathematics. Kingdom mathematics. Now they get to figure out where they're going to sow their seed. Extra seed every month? Oh, okay. Well, anyway, they said this about net versus gross. They, Josh told Angie, do we want all of it to be blessed? Or do we want just what we get to keep and bring home to be blessed? And then she went on to say, when we tithe on the gross, we're actually tithing and commissioning our money into the government, into our insurance, into our retirement plan, into all these things. Now they're blessed and now they're living from a principle of blessing the nation and tithing and actually making the kingdom money that's going to Uncle Sam actually going into good battle. Listen, we're commissioning our soldiers into battle. And And I'm just, I'm challenging. I don't care what you do. All right, we don't have a, a, a standpoint or philosophy here in this church. We don't. A lot, it's like a 50% mix here. Dave Ramsey preaches gross. Dave Ramsey teaches that. But we're not against the net. So anyway, we're not going to get tied around that. But New Testament versus Old Testament. So the, and I just want to settle this and I'm done. The tithe was actually instituted 400 years before Moses. Okay? So through Abraham, who is called the father of faith. In John 8, Jesus got into a dialogue with religious leaders who were saying he was... He was of the devil, and they were descendants of Abraham. Okay? So they're descendants of Abraham. Jesus tells them that if they are sons of Abraham, to do the deeds of Abraham. Did you catch that? Abraham initiated the tithe 400 years before Moses, Old Testament. Jesus is in the New Testament having a debate with, with Pharisees, and basically says, you are descendants of Abraham, so you do as Abraham. How many believe we're descendants of Abraham? So New Testament, Old Testament, it just kind of shatters it right there. So the implication is that those who are from Abraham are to live as Abraham lived. He was an extremely blessed man who lived according to the core value of faith and trust in God, which was expressed in his time. Say core value faith. faith. Trust in God. God. Matthew 22. Jesus is again in a dialogue, in in a debate with Pharisees. And they're saying, well, we tithe to the penny. And all of a sudden Jesus says, well, that doesn't matter. You didn't do the other things. Then we stop there. Those who are building a case against generosity, stop there. But then when we read on, Jesus actually clarifies and says, and he affirms the tithe, and he says, do both. We forget to read on. Kind of like, you know, wives submit to the husbands. And we forget the part that says, you know, husbands, treat your wives like Christ treats the church. We, we just take what we want. I heard Matt say once, always read the ver- three verses before and three verses after and see what happens. All right? So anyway, many people take it literal about the storehouse. So, so just going on, I heard someone say once, you know, as far as dreams, because this is not about dollars and cents. Our church is financially well. I'm just going to be honest with you. We never have fallen short from the day we moved into this building of a bill. We have never, ever. We have never taken it in a month less than what we've spent. Not one time. Not one time. I don't need your money. God does not need, more specifically, God doesn't need your money. But he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be kingdom. He wants your kingdom assignment. He wants to launch you and propel you into your destiny. So start small if you have to start small. Start with 10 bucks a week. 
We can all give up a couple Starbucks, right? I'm not telling. This is not a, this is not a commissioning to tie. This is not a sales pitch. I'm saying going into the season, do things like this. Amen. Give to somebody. Give to the Toys for Tots. Do something because the key to prosperity is what? Generosity. I wanted to isolate this because I believe it is important to preach on God's principles every once in a while. So you know I'm the evangelist, the apostle heart, preaching on revivalism, preaching on miracle signs and wonders, preaching on salvation and all that. But I also believe we can't neglect what God is saying for the whole picture. And I know this, to do those things, to be launched into your destiny, this is a key point. It's a life of honor, it's a life of trust, and it's a life of faith in God when we're giving or stewarding well. All right? So, so anyway, here's what I want you to do for an assignment. Can you guys all handle homework? Okay? Here's your homework. It's your bucket list. Can you guys all make a bucket list? I want you to make a bucket list of 10 natural things you desire. Okay? And then 10 spiritual things you desire. But I want the natural things to come first. I believe in dreamers. Everybody say dream. dream. I believe that God launches dreamers. I heard somebody say once that show me a father who doesn't dream, I'll show you children that have no destiny. Amen. We have to dream. And I'm saying, if you want to get to this list, the key to is generosity. But I'm talking 10 natural things. If you want a Harley Davidson, put it down. It's okay, right? It's okay to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. It is okay. It's the heart in which you do it. So yes, if I had a Harley or a boat or whatever, we'd use it for kingdom purposes. We'd connect with people. We'd do life with people. We'd, we'd invite friends and church people over to, to come take a ride on my Harley. Might look a little weird with, uh, with me taking Kenny on the back of my Harley, but hey, we, we'd get there, right? Hey, then I'll ride on the back of yours. Woo! Anyway, I'm closing and I'm done. I just 10 natural things, 10 kingdom things. I want you to do the natural first. Some of the things on my list is, you know, I want to go on a, on, a, on a ram hunt. The other thing is I want to be invited, one of my kingdom things, I want to be invited to an uh, intimate lunch with Bill Johnson. Not one where you pay and you go to the forum and you have lunch. I've already done that with him. Uh, I want to be in like just a, just a candid lunch setting with Bill Johnson. Another one is... Uh, I, I, so it's crazy. I did this list last December, about a year ago, or last November, and uh, half of my things have already come true. Half of them. I'm talking dreams. I wanted to go on a ministry trip and be able to fly with Leif Hetland. Boom. A week later, I get invited. The day I did my bucket list, like three days later, hey, I want, I want you to pray about going on a trip to Cuba with me in January. Okay. I went, I ministered side by side with him. I flew on the airplane with him and I got to be with him. And I'm just saying, these are some kingdom things that were on my list. I want to see a region without cancer. Those were some of my kingdom things. My natural things, uh, we, my wife and I, we put a car, we want a black Acura MDX and we want it to be younger than any one of our kids. <laughs> so, our oldest. We want it to be younger than Chloe. So we wanted something that's seven years older or newer. Okay, so Matt has something, but we're going to close, and I love you so much.